Since the day she gave me that coveted final rose, my wife, Trista Sutter, has made me a better person. If she can get me to know better, to do better, and to just all around be better, then I'm sure she can do it for you too. You're listening to Better Etc. with my wife and your host, Trista Sutter. Hey everybody, this is Trista and you're listening to episode 14 of the Better Etc. podcast. Today's guest is an incredibly impressive guy named Dre Baldwin. In just five years, he went from his high school basketball bench to a nine-year professional basketball career. He started blogging in 2005, YouTubing in 2006, where he published mostly basketball content, but then viewers started asking about his approach and advice and the content involved to his philosophy and business called Work On Your Game. He has published over 7,000 videos with over 73 million views. He has a daily podcast called Work on Your Game that has over 3 million listeners. He's given four TED Talks, authored 27 books, and now he's here today to share the four principles of work on your game in order for all of us to master our mental game and to realize our potential. We get into how to define what success looks like to you. Once you have that definition, we get into why would you attempt to master something in life, what you can do personally to achieve your goals and to reach that level of success that you're looking for. We get into discipline, we get into confidence, and he actually turns the tables on me and asks some questions about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette because he had no idea it was on. It's a great conversation. He is a true go-getter, and he's got great advice for anyone out there who wants to succeed in life. And I would assume that's all of us, right? (laughs) So thanks for listening. I hope you like our conversation. Please be sure to subscribe, share it with friends if you're enjoying, and in the review section, if you could comment on how you plan to be better tomorrow and what you've liked about the podcast, I would love it. So here we go. Welcome, Dre Baldwin. Well, thank you for having me here, Tristan. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to this conversation. Okay, so I want to get started with having you talk about Work On Your Game. How did it get started and what is it exactly? Well, Work On Your Game is a brand, it's a philosophy, and it's a company. So that all started, It the first time I ever said it that people remember was around 2009. I was in the basketball gym working on my game, my basketball game, mm-hmm. in a 24-hour fitness gym in Miami. And it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I just had my camera with me. This is before we had the cameras on the phones. So I had yep. my camera with me. I just always carried it around at this time because this is early days of YouTubing, and it was starting to become a thing. I had been on YouTube for years, but it was really starting to become a serious thing around this time. And I was just finishing a workout, and I was just thinking about the questions players have been asking me in the comments to my YouTube videos. This is back when you could have civil discourse in the comment section of a YouTube video. Not anymore. But (laughs) at this time, I would always read and reply to my comments. I still do to this day, read and reply to the comments. And players kept asking me for advice and help and tips on their game. Players are always asking me, how can I get better? How can I make my high school team? How can I make the college team? Dre, you play overseas. How can I learn how to play overseas? These players are always asking for help. And it just dawned on me when I started to record this video. I said to the players, well, look. The reason why I'm the person you're coming to for help is because look where I'm at in the gym practicing and look where you're at on YouTube 
watching videos. <laughs> so right. if you want to get better, then you need to you know, stop playing Xbox, stop watching YouTube videos, stop standing on the corner with your friends and go work on your game. And I put some colorful language in that sentence. And I told them to go work on your game. And the players just picked up on that. Everybody picked up on it who saw the video. And they just started repeating that phrase back to me, like, work on your game, work on your game. I really like that. I like that. So the light bulb just went off in my head eventually, like, man, I need to start using that because the great thing about the phrase is the ubiquity of it is that it doesn't even say basketball. It doesn't even say sports. It just says mm-hmm. work on your game. That applies to anything, anywhere. So it took me about maybe a year after that video came out that I realized, hey, I need to start using this all the time. So then I went and you know, put everything around that whole phrase of work on your game. So that's where it came from. And what it is based on is four basic principles of you know, what I was doing as an athlete, what I need to do as an entrepreneur, and just what anybody can do to take themselves from where they're at to where they want to go in life. And the four principles are discipline, showing up every day to do the work, confidence, putting yourself out there boldly and authentically, mental toughness, continuing to show up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved, and personal initiative, making things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Now, there's a whole backstory to where that came from. I know you heard that story before. You heard it, but your audience hadn't heard it. But I'm sure as we get deeper into this conversation, Trista, we'll get to that stuff. Yeah. You know what? Really quickly, I'd love, like, in the beginning of your podcast, you say, all of those things, but really, really fast. <laughs> Can you do that for me really quick? I just love hearing it. You want me to do the whole intro as if it's my The show? whole intro. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. All right. Do here it. we go. All right. You, okay. are now, you are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved, and a personal initiative to go and make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And then we put all of this together into one bundle, one package, one phrase, one philosophy. We have codified the entire system. We have a daily masterclass, a book, a university, and you're listening to the show that is called Work On Your Game. I mean, seriously, have you ever considered being a rapper? Because you're really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the, the rap version of thought leadership. Yes, I love it. Oh, my gosh, you need to use that. Yes, that's great. That's perfect. I could not talk that fast. And I mean, you, you've memorized it. Obviously, I put you on the spot. You didn't know I was going to ask you, but you, you do it every single day for your podcast. And so obviously, it just is in there, but you're so good at it. So thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me have my little fun moment there. Okay, so we've gotten into the principles of work on your game and how it started. What I would like to do now is get into how everyday people can actually use those principles. And I really kind of want to focus on success and how people can find success, what success is, you know, all of those things. So in your book, I mean, one of your books, how many is it now? 27? (laughs) I'm working on 28 and 29. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I mean, I have one. One is more than 99% of the population. So true story. And we I never all, thought we're it both would, in the so. same group authors. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So in your, in your book, the, it's actually a workbook, the mental workbook, the daily self guide to your vision of success. You say, if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. <laughs> I mean, hello, the, the most simplified of wisdom that right there is truth. And if you don't focus on that, then you can't succeed. So you don't stop there. You help people actually define success. So I would love for you to share with my listeners 
how you help people define success. What guiding questions can they answer for themselves to put a label on success and define it for their life so that they can get after it and look to where they're going? Sure. Well, Trista, there's only three questions. They're actually pretty simple, but they're not always so easy for people to answer. First question is, what do I want to have? What kind of results do I want in my life? In other words, uh, do I want to have a, a big house? Do I want to you know, be a, do I want to backpack and travel the world? Do I want to get married? Do I want to have kids? Uh, what position do I want to achieve in my business? Do I want to work at a company? Do I want to start my own company? Do I want to be a football player, a firefighter, or president? What do I want? What results do I want to manifest in my life? Most people are pretty good at that part. Now, if you're listening to a show like this, if you're tuning into podcasts and reading books, most people have that part down. We usually call those goals, right? These are the things that you want to achieve and things that you want to have in life. And then the second question is, okay, since I know the things I want to have, I understand, re most reasonable people understand that you have to put some effort in in order to achieve your outcome. So the second question is, what do I need to do in order to get this? All right, if mm -hmm. I want to become a, a football player, I'm probably going to need to make the football team in high school first and you know, go to practice every day and be pretty good, get a scholarship, go to college, get drafted to the NFL. If I want to start a business, I'm going to need to have something to sell. I'm going to need some customers. I'm going to have to charge for it. I'm going to have to figure out how to make those transactions happen. If I want to become a politician, I'm going to need to you know, get myself a nice suit, get a speechwriter, you know, win some elections. Most people understand that there's some effort that goes into achieving the outcome. So the second question is, what do I need to do? The third question, and that book that you are were reading from, the mental workbook, is all based on this third question. And this is the question that most people never ask themselves. And it's not because they're afraid to ask. It's because the question never even occurs to them. The question is, who do I need to be? And this is the key success question. What type of person do I need to be? How do I need to show up in life? What kind of energy do I need to have? Who do I want to see when I look in the mirror? How do I need to, what does my posture need to be like? And I mean that both literally, like how you're standing up, but also my posture as far as my energy, how I see myself, how I want the world to see me. When you answer the question of who you need to be and you become that person, the actions automatically follow. So for example, you said you danced for the Miami Heat. There's a certain type of person you need to be a certain way in order to even get there. You needed to dance. You probably had to practice every day. And I've seen some documentaries about how those tryouts go. And I'm sure it was hundreds, maybe even thousands of girls trying out for that team. And you had to make your way through to get to that next step. But there's a certain way that you needed to be. And then automatically the actions follow. So, for example, if I said I'm going to be an author and I hadn't written anything before. Well, I'm an author. All right, what does an author do? An author sits down and writes 500 words a day, or they come up with an outline for their manuscript. When you decide on the being, there are certain actions that automatically come with it. So that's why the being matters so much, because what a lot of people do is they start doing, doing, doing. And this is what most people do. The hustle, culture, work every day, team no sleep, work hard every day, work on your game. They hear something like that from me and they think, OK, I just need to work harder. And they just do all of this work hoping that it gets to the result of the thing that they have. But because they never ask themselves the question, who do I need to be? Their doing does not produce the right result. When you get mm -hmm. the being down of the type of person you need to be, then you do the actions. And then you get the results that you want to have. So this is how some people, and I hear from these people all the time. I don't know about you, Trista, but all the time people reach out to me and say, Dre, I'm doing all the work. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not getting the results. Why is this? What is the problem? What's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. It's just you never ask yourself the right question. And in life, 
Trista, a lot of people are looking for answers. The problem is they're looking for answers to the wrong questions. When they start mm -hmm. asking the right question, then the results will start coming a lot more easily. Yeah, so true. And I love that you brought up the heat and compared the tryouts because I actually tried out three times. It's kind of, kind of in a way similar to your story, but I tried out three times. The first two times, not successful. <laughs> not successful. How far did you get? In, uh, I don't even remember. I I was an alternate. I actually the second year I was an alternate, and then I herniated a disc in my back, and I had to, I had to not dance, and then I tried out the next year and I made it. So you know, it's perseverance. It's, keep going. But I had that goal. I wanted to be dancing. I saw these girls working out in the gym in Miami that I worked out at. And I was like, I want to do that. So I had that vision of what I needed to be. And I went for it and I kept going for it until I got it. So I was lucky in that way. I'm going to take a quick break. So we'll be right back. And now back to the show. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts, and I know that some of the questions that you've had people ask, like in determining success and what it means to you and, and how you master something, I feel like that all works together with success as well. And a couple of those questions that stood out were, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want people to say and feel about you when you are talked about? What is your enough? That to me really stood out because I don't think a lot of people ask themselves what their enough is, like what it will look like when they feel like they have succeeded. Right. And I love that you came up with that question. Another thing is for all, especially all the parents out there, because I'm a parent, I have two kids, 11 and 13, and I feel like finding success, you had said to experiment. That to me, like it stood out because for my kids, we put them in all different kinds of sports and activities, trying to figure out what they liked and what they didn't. And if they didn't like something, it was actually kind of cool because we could cross it off the list and not have to go to soccer practice anymore, you know? <laughs> right. So I think starting early for all those parents out there who want to help their children succeed, that's a great piece of advice. So once you know your definition of success... I want to know the why. So why attempt to master something in life? So when it comes to mastering, mastery, getting to that level of ownership and really owning that topic is because you become a one of one. You become the only person in that space. And that means if someone wants X, that thing that you own, they have to go through you to get it. And therefore, you can demand. You're in a position of demanding what you want. And I tell people when it comes to generating revenue, for example, there are only three ways anybody earns money. Number one is you accept what you're offered. Number two, you can negotiate. Number three, you can demand it. And to demand is the highest level, but you can only demand when you are a one of one, meaning there are no other options. And if people want you, they have to give you whatever you say they have to give up or they have to choose something completely different, not another option because there is no other option. So for example, if I wanted Beyonce to sing at my birthday party, and I reach out to Beyonce's management, they're going to tell me this is the price and this is how much you have to pay us now. And these are the days and times Beyonce is available and this is how long she'll stay. And these are the songs she'll do. And that's the offer. Yes or no. And mm -hmm. there's no negotiation. There's not. Yeah. Hey, I know she, you said she's available on Thursday, but my birthday's on Monday. And no, this is the day she's available. Right. Yes or no. Yeah. So because she's a one of one, 
if I can't get her, then I have to get somebody completely different because there is no there's no reasonable substitute for her. So that's the number one reason why you want to get to that point of you are the person in your space and what you're doing. Exactly. Second reason is gaining that confidence and knowing that you are the person in that space. That changes your whole changes your whole approach to life. You know, confidence makes a person taller. Confidence makes a person's the, the shoulders go back, their head goes up, their chest is out a little bit more. There's a whole different aura with a person who has a certain level of self-belief. And it's not only something tangible that you can see with your eyes, but it's something you can feel. When you come across someone who has just that certain level of uh, self-belief and they have that really healthy self-image, you don't even have to know who the person is. Now, it's one thing if Beyonce or Michael Jordan walks into the room, everybody already knows who they are. So when they have that energy and that confidence, everybody knows, okay, they had a confidence because they've done this, this, this. So we can look up their Wikipedia but have you ever come across a person who you didn't know who they were, but you saw them and you're like, I don't know who that is, but that's somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that person is. I don't know anything mm -hmm. about them, but they're that somebody. And it's not because they didn't have a camera crew following them around. They were bottom. So they don't have anybody with them. They didn't. They weren't like walking around telling everybody, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. It was just they had a certain aura about them. They have a certain energy about them. And that kind of aura and energy, one way that can be achieved is through mastering something at a level that you know it has impact. You know mm -hmm. that you put the time in. You know that you put the work in. You know you have earned your position. You have earned the skill that you have. Even if nobody else in that room has any idea who the hell you are, because you know you have earned it, you have a certain energy, and that causes other people to start looking at you like, wait, who is this person? And now they want to find out, and then when they actually find out the the, the logic behind it, they're like, okay, now it makes sense. And now they're going to have a certain level of confidence in you. And what does that do? That just boosts your confidence even more because you see other people believing in you. But it's not really about other people because you supplied the confidence yourself. You showed up with it. Now other people are going to read that off of you and they're going to treat you the way that you present yourself. And in life, mm -hmm. I, I tell people all the time that as human beings, we don't do a deep assessment of every person that we come across. We judge people on face value. However they present themselves, that's basically how we judge them. So if someone presents themselves as not having a lot of self-esteem or a high level of self-belief, we treat them like that because that's the way they presented themselves. It's not because we're malicious people or we're trying to make people feel bad or we're bullies. It's just that we don't have time to assess everybody. We just go off mm -hmm. of what we see. So if someone presents themselves as confident, as knowing what they're talking about, they walk into a room as if they're the expert, we listen to them. Why? Because they just, they walk in like that. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with, I think it was Leo DiCaprio, like Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. When he pretended to be the guy, Frank Abagnale, and he was just going yeah. around impersonating people. And I remember it was one scene in that movie where he pretended to be a teacher at a school. It was like a college. He just walks in the college classroom and he just commanded the room. And he's just telling the students, like, this is how you say my name. Don't mess it up. He just starts ordering them around, telling them what to do. And they all did it. And it's not because <laughs> he wasn't even a teacher. He didn't even work there. It was because of the way that he walked in the room, the way he presented himself. Everybody in the room was like, OK, let me follow this guy because he seemed to be very certain. He had a high level of mm -hmm. certainty. And when your level of certainty is higher than the other persons or the other people, they will follow you and do whatever you tell them to do. And they don't even know who you are. You could be completely <laughs> impersonating it the entire time. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, it goes hand in hand with it. The halo effect is once someone has proven that they are they know their stuff in this area we kind of like allow their expertise to transfer to everything else so this is how you get 
a, you know, you get somebody like a Beyonce or some rapper or some athlete, they come out and tell you who you should vote for. And people are listening to them like, oh, what does this person know about voting or the politics? They play baseball. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about that. But we listen to them because they have the success in this area. So we just assume unconsciously that they must have success in this area, this area, this area. It's the same way that, again, like Frank Abagnale, he walked into that classroom. Nobody knew who he was, but because he presented himself with such a high level of confidence and certainty, people just assumed, okay, he must be the teacher or he must know what he's talking about. He told us what page to turn to. He obviously knows the material in the book. He didn't even know what was in the book. It was because of the way that he presented himself. So that's why when you get to that level of mastery, all of a sudden, it's kind of like trying to get to the level of mastery is like climbing a mountain and then you get to the peak in the mountain. Now you get to go back down. And going down the mountain is now I've never climbed a mountain, but let's just say if someone was <laughs> you know, riding a bike up a hill, for example, you get yeah, to yeah. the top of the hill is hard because you got to push. But going down the hill, you don't even have to pedal. The bike just kind of cruises and it goes faster and faster as you go down the hill because you've already done the work to get to the top. And that's kind of how it works. Once you get to that level of mastery, you get to that level of everyone accepts you as an expert is if let's say somebody writes a book. And it's a a New York Times bestseller and it sells a a million copies. Now, the next book they put out doesn't even have to be good. It's going to sell because the last book was good. And they're like, oh, this guy's a New York Times bestseller. He must write great books. And the book might be terrible. But people are going to buy it because they already have created the success and they already had the aura of success around them. So that's kind of how it becomes you're like walking downhill or gliding downhill once you've already created that success and people know about it. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that you do have to have a certain level of confidence in order to succeed, I feel like, to actually get to that, to being a master. You know, you gain confidence from being a master, but I think that you also have to have a certain level of confidence to get to mastery. I mean, I I tell my son all the time, he loves hockey, plays hockey all the time. And I'm like, I believe in you. I need you to believe in you because there's sometimes when he's out on the ice and it just doesn't seem like he wants to be there or he doesn't believe in himself. And I'm like, I believe in you. You need to believe in you and then you'll shine. So I think believing in yourself can definitely help to getting to that mastery. But I love your points. I loved those three things. Hey, everybody, I'm going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so what are your thoughts on how you can achieve mastery once you have decided what success looks to you. So how can people achieve mastery? How can people achieve mastery? Well, number mm-hmm. one thing is you basically want to follow the four-step work on your game process. The first step is discipline. That's showing up every single day and doing that work, whatever that work may be. Now, if you're just starting out, let's just say you don't know anything, you decide you're going to master a certain area, but you don't know you have no accomplishments in that area, you need to go find somebody who does know what's going on and how it works and where to begin. And that's a discipline because to allow somebody to coach you or to tell you, hey, here's where you need to improve or here's the next thing you need to do. And you're not even sure because you don't know anything. It takes a certain level of discipline to listen to that person and follow what they're telling you. So that's the first thing is showing up every day doing that work. The second one is the confidence. That's the belief that following this process or following this person, or even if you're the one who created your own process and your own strategy, your belief that is actually going to work out. And I am a strong believer in the idea that the more you believe in something, 
it helps that thing actually work. Because if you don't believe in your process, you don't believe that it's going to work, people can read that off of you. There's a little bit of a lack of conviction that comes out of you when you're doing the thing that you're doing, even if you're just dealing with yourself. And it causes it to, it can cause it to not work. Or if you're dealing with something that's kind of on the fence, it could go this way, it could go that way, and you don't believe in it, then it's going to fail simply because you don't believe. Belief is currency. I tell people confidence is currency. And it can help you get into a room. It can help somebody say yes to you who otherwise has no reason to give you the time of day just because of the way that you present yourself. So that confidence matters a lot. The third one is the mental toughness. The reason mental toughness matters is because in life, nobody's situation is going to be perfect all the time. Actually, nobody's situation is perfect any of the time. If you think things are perfect, then just wait about five minutes and you'll realize something is not perfect. So the mental toughness is understanding that there will be challenges. There will be times when things are not working and you're going to need to remain disciplined, showing up, doing the work, sticking to your script and remain confident as if things are working, even when they're not. Because if your confidence drops every time things are not working, then you'll never be confident because nobody's situation is ever all working. So the mental mm-hmm. toughness matters a lot because life is going to throw challenges at you. No human being is perfect. Everybody's going to make a mistake somewhere along the way. And sometimes you don't even know you're making a mistake till it's too late to change it. And the last one is personal initiative, which is getting started. So all those things are great. All these mental tools are cool, but now we have to actually put them into action and turn them into some kind of tangible results. And the fact is the tangible results that you create, at least when you first get started or when you're not fully knowledgeable, they're not going to be the results that you want. They're not going to be the results that you expected. Therefore, you cycle right back around and go right back to your discipline. Okay, let me look at what results I achieved and figure out where did I mess up here? What did I overlook that I should have noticed at the beginning with the information I had then? What can I change based on the information that I have now? And now you have a little bit more confidence because you have some activity knowledge. You're still going to need that mental toughness because next time it's not going to be perfect either. There's going to be some new challenge. Even when you get better, there'll be a new challenge. And then the initiative, let's, let's put this into action. Let's find out. And then you just keep going back. That cycle just keeps repeating itself. And this kind of harkens back to the earlier question you asked, uh, Trista, why do or that I kind of intimated why some people don't want to go after masteries because they're not willing to go through this cycle. They're not willing to do the work. This is work. I mean, it's called work on your game. First word is work for a reason. Not everybody wants to work. Some people just want to get to a certain level and relax. So this is the process that you follow to create that mastery. Yeah, you're right. It takes work and everyone has to know that. I mean, some people get lucky. I mean, I ended up on a reality show and I married my husband and we had a gorgeous wedding that I never would have thought. And I didn't really have to work at it. I just had to show up. But um, I didn't even know you were on that show, but now I know. Oh, yeah, I was I was on the first Bachelor and I was the first Bachelorette, the OG. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, some people get lucky like me, but I think if there is something that you want to master and something that you want to succeed in, you definitely have to put the work in. It's not just going to get handed to you. Can I ask a side question? How did you even get on the show? You had to apply, right? I did. I was sitting in my apartment in Coral Gables in, uh, in Miami and I was watching extra after I came back from working one day as a physical therapist Yeah. and, uh, they were talking about casting for a new reality show and you'd get to travel and live in California and like meet new people. And I didn't even care about the meeting the guy thing. I mean, I was kind of in a rut and I wasn't meeting great guys, but 
but that wasn't my like main priority. So I just randomly applied and kept going through the process and they flew me out to LA and um, I had an interview with the producers and then they asked me, I think a couple weeks later, if I wanted to be on the show. So, I mean, really the rest is history. I was the first, I was on the first Bachelor and I was quote unquote the runner up and had my heart broken on television and then was asked when the finale was airing, the exec producer called me and said, do you want to be the first bachelorette? And I said, sign me up. <laughs> I want to meet my husband. And I sure did. I did. I did. Um, so and- can I ask one more question? Yeah. So the, you were the bachelorette and they, he chose somebody else. I was one of the 25 girls that showed up for the first guy that did it. And then I ended up being the first bachelorette and there were 25 guys that I got to choose from, you know. And so I met my husband on there and we're, we're still married, just celebrated 17 years. And congratulations. Thank so you. So this, yeah. this is the question I was asking. So when you were on The Bachelor mm-hmm. and the man chose a different woman, it was down to you and another woman, he chose that woman. Are they yeah. still together? No. No, they were only together for like three months. So I always I consider that my greatest blessing in life. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm just joking. My children and my husband are my greatest blessings in life. But but yes, that was something that I'm very thankful for a moment in time and a decision that was not mine that I'm very grateful for. (laughs) Right. So I mean, it was a little bit of luck, but also I mean, you applied and you kept showing up during the process. It was luck combined with you took the initiative. True. And so did Ryan. So my husband is very much an introvert. Mm-hmm. He does not like being on television. And he was the one who really, really showed up. I mean, I've always said, I don't know that I would have succeeded in a relationship with someone else that had been on the show. Like we were just, I feel like we were meant to be. But if he hadn't gone through the process and not shown up and not continued to show up because he wanted to leave. He he almost left. He actually left or tried to kind of escape, if you will, at like the the very final night. But they found him and he came back and we got engaged and, you know, happy ending. But I'm thankful to him for showing up because we wouldn't have the success that we do in terms of our relationship and our family life and and all of that had he not been willing to go through some things that he was uncomfortable with. How many men were there? I got to ask one more question. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. (laughs) How many men were still eligible when you knew he was going to be the guy at the end? Or did you know, not know until the end? You know what? Because of what happened to me on The Bachelor, I was very hesitant with completely showing my cards and never really gave him any idea that I was falling for him. But I would say that it was probably when three other guys were there besides him. So there were four when I, I knew that he was probably the one because I couldn't stop thinking about him when I was on the other dates, Mm. you know? So, um, yeah, thank you. I'm pretty proud of our relationship. So thank you. Okay. So, um, let's get back, get back into the questions for you. Can you tell me why is discipline such an important aspect of success? Discipline, man, this the it's the bedrock. It is the foundation of everything. Showing up every every single day or every single time, however many times it is, to do the work. One reason is because most people aren't disciplined. 
Right. There are a lot of talented people out there. There are a lot of skilled people. There are a lot of people with a lot of resources and people who have seemingly everything set up for them to be successful, but they are not disciplined. Therefore, they don't do the work and they don't get the outcomes. Now, something that you mentioned of becoming a dancer I'm sh and you went to grad school. So I'm sure in both situations, you were peers with people who were more talented than you, who oh, had yeah. more resources than you, and they didn't make it. And why? It usually yeah. has something to do with a lack of discipline. And in the sports world, of course, I mean, I can't tell you how many athletes I knew who had way more talent than me, guys who should have been in the NBA with that. They had that kind of talent, should have at least gotten a college scholarship or played overseas, didn't do any of that simply because some slip up of discipline. It might have been on the court. It might have been off the court. And how many people do both of us know, especially when they know that you've written a book, who say, I want to write a book. Mm -hmm. I wish I could write a book. Oh, I have this idea for a book, but they haven't done it because they haven't enacted the discipline of actually doing it. So number one reason discipline matters is because most people don't have it. So if you're competitive, you want to separate yourself from 98% of the world, just be disciplined. Mm -hmm. So now you're only competing with 2%. Another reason is in order to get consistent results, Trista, you have to have consistent inputs. If you want to be consistent at uh, Stephen Curry shooting the basketball he probably practices shooting the basketball more than anybody else. And he's the best one. And that's not a coincidence. The people who are the best at what they do are the ones who are the most disciplined in continuing to sharpen that saw. Another thing with discipline is it's about the delayed gratification. And one thing that I tell people in one of the episodes of my show, I know it's number 777. I know it because of the number. That's the reason I know okay. it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm that not, is a good number. I'm not that much of a genius, but... And that episode is about time perspective. And the concept of time perspective is this. The more successful the person, the further into the future they consider the decisions that they make today. Mm. In other words, the less successful individual needs instant gratification or more instant gratification. In other words, if they do something today, they want to know, how am I going to get a result from this action today and right now? Whereas the more successful individual, they will make a decision or take an action today and they're OK with not getting any reward or result from that action until later into the future. So the more successful the person, the more they think about, OK, if I do this now, how is this going to affect me a year from now or 10 years from now or three months from now? Whereas the unsuccessful person or less successful individual is thinking, if I do this now, all I care about is what I get today, what I get right mm -hmm. now in the moment. But they're not thinking about how that this today's decision is going to affect them in six months or in five years. So discipline is about the acceptance and the embracing of delayed gratification. It doesn't mean you don't get any instant gratification, but embracing a healthy amount of delayed gratification. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I so agree with that. I feel like because if you're doing what you are hopefully in the future to be successful at, then it means that you love what you do. And I think that that's a big component of success. You know, you brought up Stephen Curry. You know, it seems like he probably loves playing basketball. And that's part of why he practices all the time. But he is practicing basketball because he loves what he does. And because he loves what he does, he puts the, the effort into it. And he is very disciplined at practicing and, and playing and showing up and in the future, well, 
obviously right now he's very successful, but in the future, obviously he will continue to be successful because he puts the time in and he loves what he does. So I think Mm -hmm. that is, that's critical finding what you love, you know, and just continuing on that path to figuring out what you love to do. I mean, I feel like I've found it with this podcast. I love having these conversations and, and, and really connecting with people and learning about what their life's work is about. It's what I love to do. And so hopefully if I can continue to put the effort in and I'm disciplined about doing the interviews, doing the prep work, all of it, hopefully one day I'll be successful. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, you asked even in the, the prep uh, for this show, you asked some questions and asked for some things that most hosts don't ask for. I can tell you that as a veteran of the appearance process. So as long as you stick to that, I think you'll be great. I'm going to wrap up, but the question I ask all of my guests is how do you plan to be better tomorrow? It can be professional or personal. I just like to pick your brain a little bit as my guest and see if um, any of my my listeners can relate. How do I plan to be better tomorrow? Wow. Well, there's a lot of ways that I can be better. I think one of the most important things for me and us at Work On Your Game is we need more people to know what we're doing, know mm-hmm. what we're about, know what this philosophy is. I think the value is already proven. I've been in this game for a while, but you had never heard of me until I, until I reached out to you. And most of your right. audience probably had never heard of me before, even though I've been on the internet for a while now. So That's our business. Our business is to make sure more people know about us. So that's our game is we need more people to know who we are. We need to get our message out there. We don't even really need to create anything else. We just need more people to see what we already have created. And that is uh, my responsibility as a CEO and the creator of what we've done here is to get our name out there. And anybody who needs what we do, who does not know about it, we are not doing our job. So that's how we plan on getting better. And I'll say like you, I think if you stick to how you reached out to me, I mean, it worked. So just do the same thing. Take that same video and change the name and change the podcast. And then bingo, maybe you'll get a thousand more interviews. Who knows? But that's a great thing to to set as a goal. You know, you want to better your business so more people can hear what you have to say. And, and essentially you can help more people to find their success and to work on their game. You know, that's what I'm trying to do here is, is just spread positivity and help people out and help us all be better versions of ourselves. So thank you so much for coming on today. It was great to talk to you, to connect to a fellow Miamian, someone in 83 degree weather. (laughs) I just wish. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Tristan. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you feel a little better after having listened. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you're enjoying our show, please send it to a friend and put a little better into their lives. Also, if you would like to find me, you can go to Instagram at Trista Sutter or Facebook at Trista Sutter fan page. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.